0: The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up, and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of the Lord. Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, it really is so wonderful to see everybody again this morning. I've really been missing you all, and it's great to have been so warmly welcomed back since this past Tuesday when I came back to be with you um, and the sabbatical for me was really a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm just really aware of all of the amazing things that were going on at St. George's while I was away. And the first thing that I'd like to do is to thank the Reverend John Shellito for his leadership during that time. I'm very grateful, and I know everybody else is as well, John, for for your wonderful leadership and all of the extra responsibility that you took on during that time. So thank you again. Uh, We have also a lot to be grateful for in terms of just um, the wonderful... ministry that you all have been continuing in the world and within the walls here at St. George's as always all the ways that you have been tending to each other in ways large and small as well as continuing our outreach and social justice ministry the wonderful Lincoln trip that our choir took I mean just the list goes on and on and uh, that beehive of ministry that is always at the core of St. George's continued to buzz away so I'm just really grateful, and knowing that you all you know, have been gathering together for worship every Sunday, breaking the bread in Jesus' name, that practice that's been going on since the beginning of the church, um, all of the, the ways that you've been rooted and grounded in prayer and love and worship as you go out to serve others. My time away during the sabbatical was really uh, just a very refreshing time. And like the word Sabbath, meaning a day of rest, sabbatical comes out of that, a time away of rest for renewal and reflection and, and to come back um, ready to engage again in the mutual ministry that you and I and John share together. So I'm just really grateful for that time. Most of my uh, experiences uh, during sabbatical revolved around uh, nurturing family relationships, being able to have that wonderful gift of, of sustained time to be with various members of our family and to really uh, relish that. And I also spent a great time of deal out, a great time of uh, outdoors with enjoying the beauty of creation, doing hiking and just seeing some really beautiful sights. And you'll hear more about that in the future. The final week is what I want to focus on today, my week of transition between that time of rest, of being with family, being in creation, getting centered in myself, and coming back to be with you all in a fruitful way. That week of transition revolved around time spent at Holy Cross Monastery in upstate New York. And the Holy Cross Monastery, it's just an hour north of New York City on the Hudson River, and it's, uh, the Order of the Holy Cross was founded by the Reverend James Huntington in 1884, and it is just a wonderful gift to the Episcopal Church and to the entire Anglican Communion. They have four houses, the mother house that I went to in West Park, New York, one in Santa Barbara, Toronto, Canada, and then in South Africa, Grahamstown, South Africa. And the history of the, Holy, the order of the Holy Cross is really instructive, I think, for us today and has a lot to do with the particular charism that we have here at St. George's of being rooted and grounded in our worship and prayer life and being very active in the world outside of our walls, trying to bring in the kingdom of God more fully. Father Huntington, in 1886, was very active in his ministry in the Lower East Side of New York City. He was working with the immigrant community there, people who he perceived to be oppressed and marginalized, and he was working um, in terms of trying to create a just situation for him and better living Um, circumstances and he was passionately committed to his ministry and he saw that this very important work in the world of creating a more just society and being particularly attuned as Jesus was in in his ministry to the needs of the poor and those on the margins he knew that that very difficult work with those on the margins had to be sustained by a life of prayer and contemplation and worship that the two were not mutually exclusive that they went together you had to work for social justice and you had to be rooted in prayer and worship in order to sustain that and the rule of saint benedict is what the order of the holy cross follows and that's the oldest rule that there is in western monasticism 1500 years of the rule of st benedict and the people um, in our congregation and our parish who are former members of the urban abbey are no stranger to the rule of st benedict Um, That is what grounded their life together and continues to in many of their lives And the rule of st benedict can be compressed into three words aura and labora prayer and study prayer and work work and prayer And that life is meant to be lived very holistically, not seeing them as two mutually exclusive things, but that we're all brought to wholeness by being both prayerful and by working very hard to bring in the kingdom. And knowing that prayer should punctuate our lives throughout the day. So it's really wonderful to be part of a community that is living that out in a very contemporary way, but but grounded in this wonderful tradition. So he wanted, Father uh, Huntington wanted this life of prayer empowering work, and work informing prayer to be everywhere outside the monastery and within and in this constant dynamic interaction between the two of realizing that God is at work everywhere at all times in the chapel in the daily routine of the monastery and in their ministries outside of the walls And the main ministry of the Order of the Holy Cross today is hosting retreats. And they have everything. They have such an array of offerings, everything from icon writing workshops to studies of Jung and the spiritual journey and everything in between. So it's very much rooted in tradition and aware of contemporary needs as well. And everything, everything, I mean everything. Did you get that word, everything? There is rooted and grounded and soaked, soaked in prayer and in worship. They pray the daily office five times a day. You guys think we do a lot of church at St. George's, you know, with two services on Sunday and then a midweek Eucharist and a monthly Eucharist. That seems like a lot. And John and I do a lot of preparations for though and feel like, but these guys pray all the time. And it's really wonderful. The daily office is actually part of the Book of Common Prayer, of course. Um, and we have these wonderful services that we pray. But the monastics pray them in a very particular way. The day starts with prayer. at 7 a.m. They get up for matins, morning prayer. So 7 a.m., matins, 9 o'clock, Holy Eucharist, noonday prayer, denurnum 5 o'clock, Vespers, and 8 o'clock, Compline. That's a lot of praying. And the way that they do it is most interesting. It's wonderful because what happens is that the bell rings every time, calling everybody to prayer, right? Ding, 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 silence. Ding, 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 silence. Ding, 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 three ding, ding, dings, three times, ten minutes before each service. And everybody knows you stop everything you're doing, whether you're praying, you're reading, you're studying, the monks are doing their various works, and they come together Everybody files into the chapel. And each prayer service in the daily office revolves around chanting the psalms. And we're all familiar with psalms because we sing them antiphonally each Sunday. But the way, the monastic way, and the way that they do it at the order of the Holy Cross monastery is very distinctive. In the eight o'clock service here on Sunday mornings, we don't sing the psalm, we say it. And a lot of times we do it an antiphonally by the half verse, where you've got the first half of a verse and then an asterisk. The first, uh, you know, they've sung responsively or said responsively after the asterisk. Well, at the Order of the Holy Cross, the monks are sitting in choir formation and The choir master, the cantor, will lead them on this side and beginning the psalm, and there'll be a a pause, a long pause after the asterisk. And then the other side chants their part, and they go back and forth antiphonally by the half verse of each part of the psalms. And what's so amazing about it, and I finally started getting it, about the last day before I had to leave. I, I've lived in hope that I'll get better at it next time I go on retreat there. Um, there's, that long pause is powerful because it... It brings everybody more into a sense of community, that we're not praying individually and just happen to be sitting beside each other. No, we're praying as the body of Christ all together, because that pause is a very unusual pause, and it's long. And if you mess up and you chime in too early, you are painfully aware that you have chimed in too early. (laughs) They actually have, there are very few directions there, but one of the directions is, please pray along quietly as the monks lead us, because if you make a mistake, it, it can throw everybody off. They never made a mistake once in the time that I was there. And it was incredibly powerful. I learned by watching and studying them and doing what they did. And when you think about it, that's really the best way to learn, isn't it? Just to follow the lead of people that you really admire, that you can see that their Christian witness is powerful, and, and imitating the way of worship so that you can come into a more of a worshipful place like them. So the whole experience was a really wonderful one for me. And that holy pause after the asterisk is something that I will be being fed by for the next year until I go back to hang out with them again and again hopefully I'll be better at it next time but again being reminded that it's not about me individually but it's about me being brought into that great witness of praying together in such a lovely way Um, and when I think about that I think about how it is that all of us learn from one another and it's humbling when we uh, when we mess up in whatever way that might be in our spiritual life or um, not pausing appropriately after the asterisk, but perseverance is the key. And that's what Jesus is talking about in today's gospel, perseverance in prayer, that it's not about getting everything perfectly right, but about being faithful and being humble and being willing to be led and directed by God primarily, but also by people that Uh, can show us the way who are a little bit further along the path than we are as I think about um, these experiences I'm just really grateful and I entered into the gospel with that perspective today when I was thinking about how it is that the disciples said once they saw Jesus praying they saw that he was praying by himself and they said Jesus teach us to pray the way that you're praying they knew that his prayer, his private prayer time, and his prayer with them had everything to do about the power of his ministry. They wanted their lives to be conformed to his life so that their work and their ministry could be as powerful as his. They wanted to be a part of him. They admired what he was doing, and they wanted to be taught. And when you think about it, in Luke's witness to the gospel of Jesus he precedes everything he tells us that jesus prayed before every act of his ministry before the healings before the preaching before the teaching before his conversations he always prayed and that in and of itself is a witness to us today of course the monks at the benedictine order uh, of the holy cross in new york they model their life and of course the rule of saint benedict is all modeled on jesus's life and that fact that he prayed constantly and that everything about his ministry reflected that. So when we tune in today's gospel, we see that Jesus was praying in a certain place and the gospel tells us that the disciples admired that and wanted to be more like him and asked, asked him to teach them. So if we think about how Luke compares to Matthew, Matthew's a lot more elaborate. Matthew's version is what we say together when we're in prayer during the Eucharist every Sunday. But I like Luke's version because it's a lot more straightforward. It really boils the things down to the essentials. He starts with, Jesus says, pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Acknowledging that only God is God. That only God is holy. That only God is worthy of worship. Not anything else in our life is worthy of worship and is completely holy. No relationship, no thing, no pursuit. Nothing that has hold on us in this life is holy, completely holy, except God. So that comes first. And then your kingdom come. So we're praying to God, recognizing that the world is not finished. That we are very much in process. That Jesus came into this world to bring the kingdom of God near. We're told over and over again in the gospels that that's what Jesus came to do. And that we as his followers are called to continue his work in the world. Of bringing in the kingdom. Of asking for God's help as we do that important work in the world. Carrying on that work. Grounded in God's love and rooted in Jesus' passion. His passion for this world that he came to redeem and to transform. So hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. And then forgive us our sins, for we ourselves are in need of forgiving others. And this is such an important petition. This is a prayer of humility, acknowledging that we are broken vessels of God's grace, that just as God is always working to restore the whole creation, that God is working to restore each and every one of us individually and as a community, restoring us to wholeness, that we're in process too, just as the whole creation is, that we're not perfect and that we are very much in need of God's grace. And when we can have the courage to examine ourselves and to name our sins, we know that we've taken the first important step in that process, recognizing and naming our sins and asking for forgiveness as we start on the road to transformation. And forgiving others, forgiving others who've hurt us, is absolutely the hardest thing to do the hardest thing to do. That's where the rubber really touches the road in our lives oftentimes, isn't it? It's hard, hard work, and it sometimes it takes time. There are layers of hurt that sometimes we have to work through if somebody has really pierced us deeply. But it's vitally important that we forgive and to allow time for God To work through those layers in our lives and to allow us to really forgive people deeply. But if we persist in prayer, it will happen step by step. So, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Forgive us our sins and help us to forgive others. And the last one, finally, bring us not into a time of trial. So rather than lead us not into temptation, it's bring us not into a time of trial. And rather than the admonition not to be enticed into evil things, we all know that there is always an enticement to do things that are not of God. But I like Luke's words, how they're translated In this edition of the Bible, bring us not into a time of trial because that connotes more of, Lord, protect us from circumstances that threaten our faith. Protect us from those situations that threaten our faith. Give us the strength in those circumstances not to have our faith snatched away. Help us to be faithful. And all sorts of things every day threaten our faith. Lots of things every day, both personally, globally, and nationally. It's easy to get discouraged when we look around and we see everything going on. Horrible conditions at our border, acrimony in our public discourse, struggles in our daily family life and in our work life. But that last petition is last for a reason, I think. That prayer that Jesus teaches us because it's really a prayer asking for the gift of hope lead us not into a time of trial protect our faith give us the gift of hope help us to look at the world around us as it really is without any sugar coating to see it really how it is and also help us to see it hopefully that it can be transformed. It can be transformed, and we can be agents of hope. This world will never be perfect until Jesus brings everything into fullness one day, sometime in the future. That is going to happen. But we're all called to work every day, day in and day out, to partner with God in a hopeful way to bring change in this troubled world and to do it with a hopeful joyful spirit and asking that God will protect that hopefulness because it's always in danger every day we can never ever let that hope slip away and we've got to ask God to gift us with it every day because many of us are in very trying circumstances as we try to navigate these very complicated intense waters that we're in these days and to ask God to guard that hope with the peace that passes all understanding as we go about that work every day. We need that last petition in a big way. Save us from the time of trial. So God, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Save us from the time of trial. And I've forgotten the fourth one that I had mentioned earlier. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That's one you cannot forget. I cannot forget. (laughs) Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and help me to work to make your kingdom come. Forgive us our sins as I strive to forgive others who have hurt me and save us. Not just me. Save us. It's always about the community of faith first and foremost and individually second. Save us from the time of trial. These are words to pray by. These are words to work by. These are words to live by. Amen.